0: The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, chomping at the bit to get started. You'll see why in a second. There are so many climate impacts that we don't even know how to address. Sure, most of us have recently experienced a heat wave. More and more of us are experiencing extreme weather or more intense storms, droughts, wildfires, But there are hidden impacts, too, and one of those, which my producer Price Atkinson and I have been talking about a lot lately, is the impact on sports. That's why when Mark Midland, who has spent a career in horse racing, reached out to share that Churchill Downs had had to cancel and reschedule races for the first time in history because of rising temperatures, we took note. So stay tuned, listeners, my conversation with Mark Midland about the impacts of climate change on horse racing. Coming right up next. Listeners, welcome back. I feel the need to talk fast and with like a, an announcer voice as I sit here in conversation with Mark Midland. Mark, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Glad to be here.
1: So um was super excited. You know, Price, our producer, he and I are big sports fans, and I actually don't know a lot about horse racing, but we've been looking for, and we plan to have um, different sports um, folks come on and talk about some of the impacts they're seeing with warmer weather, extreme weather, climate change. And um, you were sort of dropped into my lap, the experiences that you've had at Churchill Downs and and having to um, postpone races because of the weather. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, I just thought, give me some horse racing 101. Is there a season that it typically runs? Like what sort of what are the ideal conditions? What is the the wear and tear on horses, on trainers, on everyone involved? So if you want to give me a little 101 and listeners a little 101, I think that'd be great.
2: Yeah. Um well, you, a lot of people probably don't know, but horse racing goes on about 364 days a year.
1: Really, I had no idea. Okay,
2: yeah, and uh, there's a lot of they call it circuits, but you know the horses will race in New York and move from track to track, and uh, you know the best conditions for the humans, of course, are you know nice, warm, and sunny, and you know 85 degrees. Um, you know, and if you're you you've ever seen horses in the field, they're pretty hardy. Uh, they'll they'll move around and do well with, when it's pretty darn cold and uh, you know they're out there on you know we're in a heat wave right now. Uh, they can be out there in the sun as long as it's not too too crazy. So um, because of uh, sort of the economics of horse racing, the interest of different states and different tracks uh, that are running, it's going on essentially year round and surprisingly probably more surprising but in the winter time there is racing in New York, mm-hmm. uh, Kentucky, and some other places uh, Maryland and in some places that get pretty cold. And, uh, the, the horses are fine to run in the cold. The one thing that really affects, um, horse racing is, uh, is the thawing of, uh, once you start going up and down around 32 degrees, the dirt will actually freeze. And then uh, it's actually okay if it's frozen because you've got an even surface, but then if it starts to go above 32 in the middle of the day, then it starts to unfreeze une- unevenly in different spots and creates an unsafe environment. So those are kind of some of the different things that we we deal with with horse racing.
1: So what, in your in your ideal world, you're moving from state to state and I live in Maryland. So I should know a little bit more than I actually do. Are you trying to meet the ideal conditions in those states for that part of the circuit? So you're in Kentucky when the weather conditions are supposed to be ideal. You're in New York when they're ideal, you're in Maryland.
2: It's sort of like that. It's it's the premier racing, at least on on the kind of Eastern half of the country. Uh, So right now the, the premier racing is at Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get tremendous crowds, thirty thousand people a day. It's it's a, a beautiful track. It's a um, just kind of a pastoral. Go back to your roots. Uh, people come up on the train from New York City, and uh, it, it it's wonderful. And so that's sort of the premier meet of uh, the second half of July and August. Uh, and then in the spring and fall, you'll have big racing in Kentucky. You'll have big racing also uh, in New York to some extent. And then in the winter time, it goes down to, to Gulfstream down in Miami mm-hmm. or up Port Lauderdale area, and so uh, you know the, the best racing essentially will gravitate south. But mm-hmm. the individual uh, circuits, meaning um, the mm-hmm. racing in Kentucky, the racing in Maryland, really it doesn't stop. It's mm-hmm. just that uh, the winter racing in Maryland and Kentucky is not as quality. So the sort of the second string, if you will, or um, minor leaguers, if you will, are, are are continuing there.
1: So you've talked about the impacts of winter and I'm particularly keen on the whole freeze melt cycle because I broke my ankle on both sides mm. in 2016, slipping on the ice that had formed after uh, we'd had heavy snow. And then we had a melt cycle. We were in the like forties during day, everything would melt single digits at night, everything would freeze back up. So I, if I were a horse, That's I wouldn't cool. even want to run on the 32 degree flat surface, Um, can't imagine, but what about warm weather impacts?
2: Yeah. Um, warm weather is, you know, I think to some extent the horses are similar to us humans. Um, you know, you can go out, you can go out and exercise in the Mm eighties, uh, the low nineties, you know, and you can, you can also do that even, uh, once it gets warmer, but you start to really have to start to be careful and, uh, think about, uh, things once you start getting into the high nineties or the hundreds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the horse races, they're, they're going out there for just, you know, a minute or two, but they are exercising, if you will, or performing at full, full speed. So, uh, it, you definitely want to, uh, con- you know, take safety and concern and, and, uh, it's, it's a huge concern. And mm-hmm. so some of the tracks have done like this weekend already, uh, at least one track has shifted to start at 10 30 in the morning essentially trying to be done, you know, by three or, or two thirty in the afternoon before the, like the real heat of the late afternoon comes in. Yeah. So,
1: and I, I will know. just note for our list- listeners that as we're recording, you know, over 110 million Americans are in the middle of a heat wave and 60 million of us are going to experience triple digit temperatures this weekend. So it's a scorcher um, with the heat dome, as I understand, kind of settling over some of the hottest parts of the U.S.,
2: it is a scorcher for sure. And, uh, so it's, it's definitely a concern, um, with, uh, with horse racing and, uh, we have had some cancellations. We had some last month and, uh, you know,
1: where it was track, too hot. It was too hot to race.
2: It's too hot. And, yeah. you know, there's no reason to take chances. It's also no fun for the spectators either. Uh, and the people that are working outside, uh, it's just an outdoor sport. So it's very much a concern and, uh, you know, obviously the, it's not a good trend as we're seeing more and more of these yeah. hot days and record-setting days every summer, it seems like.
1: Well, I was going to say, it isn't just the horses. Like, I definitely care about animals and and horses are not just, I mean, they're multi-million dollar investments, right? So mm-hmm. you have, I mean, I know they're they're strong and powerful and they can probably endure a lot, but you still have to be careful with them. You can't just... If one gets hurt or one is out or one, I don't know what, how horses, how, um, heat stroke would manifest in horses, but I'm assuming it's similar to how it would manifest in humans. <laughs>
2: some of them, you know, they, they sweat a little bit and some of them are considered non-sweaters. So, mm-hmm. uh, the trainers usually know some, you know, some of them handle the heat a little better than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things where you started to push the athlete a little bit. Right. And so like, when you get into like, let's say football Camps in August, and and you've got sometimes kids, grade school kids, in, in pads uh, in the heat of August, and uh, around the entire country, and uh, you know you start to have to really be on your toes and start thinking about you know hydration and breaks and when is too much, you know, when two days are too much and things like that. And so I think that's sort of the mentality um, with horse racing is you know the constant monitoring of the weather. Uh, races, you know, they do get canceled from time to time because of lightning um, or, uh, you know, really inclement weather. Well, the the, d- the day is just canceled because of, a, you know, tremendous storm or something like that. So, you know, the racetracks, I think, are are really good about uh, canceling when when need be. Mm-hmm. It's just a tough, uh, you know, decision when where's the line when you're going into um, like this, a three day weekend where we might be looking at, you know, 95 degree temperatures uh, yeah. in different jurisdictions.
1: And and when you have a you know these races that you have, I know that they are different scales, right? There are smaller races and and kind of the the Derby ones that we, those of us that don't even follow horse racing on the regular, know about. I can't imagine the economic impacts. Like, let's say that you had to cancel. Is Tur- Churchill Downs is your track? But there's also a race, right? Churchill Downs isn't that right. the name of a okay, like well, a Churchill Downs
2: is the track, but so the Derby is. You know that's the biggest race of the year in this country, and the day before they have the Kentucky Oaks for the the Phillies. Um, but they race about about eighty days a year, so uh-huh. they have a meet. Their Derby meet is sort of May June, and then they come back again in September for a few days, and then they race in November. So they kind of have different different seasons and different concerns of each of those seasons. But thankfully, with the Kentucky Derby is always the first Saturday in May. Uh, Usually cold is the consideration. Yeah, 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 there's no there's never really a heat consideration there.
0: We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at Republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode.
1: Some of your smaller races, even that the economic impacts of delaying a race or of rescheduling a race must be you know, it's not insignificant.
2: It's not, but, uh, it's not that bad because it's, you know, it's not, they're held every day. T- typically mm-hmm. on a race day, you might have eight to 10 races. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I would compare it to like major league baseball. You've got 162 game season. You're, mm-hmm. you're ultimately going to have c- cancellations when you have the, mm-hmm. that many events, where is uh, maybe for the NFL and they've, you know, through COVID proven to be pretty nimble with cancellations as well. But They've got a 16 game season or, well, no, I guess we're up to 18 now, Um, (laughs) you know, dating dating myself there, Um, you know, so but maybe the cancellations, a a bigger deal. But uh, again, they've proven to be pretty nimble when when they've had to be.
1: So let's just um, put our climate change hat on for a second and imagine that, you know, these cycles where we're seeing. Um, I just read that there's like a 99% um, guarantee that 2022 will go down as one of the top 10 hottest years on record, and and nine of the 10 hottest years on record have all been in the last 10 years, right? So we're con- we're in a trend now. We're we're getting right. warmer. We're getting warmer. What do you see? Sort of the long term implications are? Are folks like you going to have to start thinking about policies or? Um, shifting seasons or doing something so that as the days get warmer as you have more of these um you know ninety five plus degree days having to make accommodations
2: definitely and uh you know fortunately it's not spread out evenly the impact right so that the tracks that run in the spring and winter and fall aren't are really impacted um much at all so it's really the tracks that are that are running in the summer and uh you know, a lot of these calendars have been established for decades. And so a track that, you know, races in July and August could see a lot more impact, you know, and maybe they need to put lights in and consider running in the evening or, uh, you know, those types of considerations, if things really got, you know, hotter, Um, but they may, they're going to face more cancellations, uh, you know, a, a track that runs in June. It's something that they'll have to deal with more often and maybe they lose a day, uh, or shift day, you know, every yeah. you know year kind of thing. But uh, yeah, a track in July or August could lose a week. And, uh, and when I say lose, you know, what they can do, they can shift the schedule. So if they raise four days a week, um, they could take a week off, they could come back the next week and raise five or six days to make up for it. So there's some different things they can do. But Obviously that's less ideal because you're canceling tickets and and
1: plans. Yeah. Ticket sales. And then people who are traveling maybe to come and see a particular race or they're there for a distinct period of time and they can't come back. Is there any impact on the horses of not having their races on schedule? Like, do they need like humans, right? We need to do our physical activity, a certain, you know, to get better at it or to stay, to maintain your, your level of fitness.
2: They'll, they'll work them out in the morning. So generally the, mm-hmm. every track has workouts from like 6 to 10 AM in the morning, which is, uh, Coolest, yeah. they get up early and it's, it, and it's cool. And, uh, and again, it gets really cold other times a year, but, uh, yeah, so they'll, they'll do that. So they're covered from a fitness perspective.
1: Okay. I mean, what you were saying about, um, installing lights and maybe having evening races, which, you know, definitely change, shifts the culture a little bit. But also, I know that this has been an issue where our evening temperatures are starting to set new evening temperature highs which is definitely new, right. a new pattern. And so that could end up being a short-term fix, but maybe not so great in the long-term. Although you're never going to have a 90 degree night. I mean, hopefully never have a 90 degree night. Um, they have
2: uh, horse racing in Dubai and Saudi Arabia in the middle East at night. And so they, they definitely <laughs> do it do it over there. And I'm, I'm not, I've been there. So I'm not qu- quite sure exactly how hot it gets, but it gets pretty hot at night in the middle East.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, Well, is there any, um, are you seeing drop-offs in on the, you know, sort of the hotter days where you're actually having races and the number of people who want to attend, um, as spectators, do you hear, um, from the people who are working concessions or uh, tickets or otherwise, um, keeping the, the horse track moving, um, do you hear from these folks as well? Is that where you're seeing some?
2: I mean, it's definitely a consideration. It's, not, I think, no different in the summer, you know, like it's great to go to an outdoor concert to a certain point when it's just too hot and you don't care who has a ticket for you because you don't want to go out in the heat, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's, that that's just something that uh, it, it does have an impact for sure.
1: Maybe the size of the hats on uh, well, I guess Derby is still in, in May, so that's not going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say you might want a less, like a more mesh kind of hat if you're going to be in. Um, well, this has really been fascinating. I just think it's like one, I'm always trying to find the unthought of um, Im- Im- impact from climate change. And this was one that I just hadn't really, hadn't been on my radar. And I appreciate you walking me through a little horse racing 101 and Um, I can tell you because I have terrible luck that if I did get a ticket to come see a race, my race would be the one that was canceled. So (laughs) (laughs) well,
2: then you don't lose. So that's good.
1: (laughs) Oh, I guess that's the silver lining, right? (laughs) The one time I had tickets to see the Chicago Cubs, it was pouring rain so hard that they canceled the game at 10 AM. We didn't even make it out of my friend's apartment. We were staying with because it was so bad. So, um, but I would love to come down sometime and check out what you're doing and, um, but not in July or August.
2: Right. Come down anytime we're in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, I know, uh, I was gonna say there's always good racing, uh, and, uh, May and June are, are the best times or, or Kentucky Derby week, which is, uh, late April to for Saturday in May.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to put that on my bucket list and I, um, thank you so much, Mark, for your time.
2: Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano, host of Citizens Climate Radio. We highlight people's stories, we celebrate your successes, and together we share strategies for talking about climate change. We do all this by hearing from some pretty surprising climate advocates. We feature politicians, preachers, and poets. Citizens Climate Radio is designed to inform you about the many ways people are addressing the causes and impacts of climate change. Subscribe and listen to Citizens Climate Radio wherever you get
3: your podcasts.
1: Price, are you racing forward with this week's episode? That was bad. Sorry. Yeah,
3: that was that was uh, a really weak, cheesy attempt at horse racing humor. Chelsea Henderson, I
1: know. I've actually never been to a horse race, so I don't know what the humor is like there.
3: Well. Um, yes, thanks to Mark Midland, horse racing expert, for joining us. But um, you have, which you would not know, well, you should know, but you have a couple of tracks in the greater D.C. area that you could go take care of that. I've never been to a horse race thing by going to Laurel Racecourse, a place I went to many times when I lived in Annapolis, Maryland. And then, obviously, up to Pimlico, which is home to the second leg of the Triple Crown, known as the Preakness Stakes up in Baltimore. I right.
1: I know. I know. There's like no excuse for me not to have been the one, and and I will try to correct that, especially knowing that, I mean, I had read that the weather here in the mid-Atlantic is going to be like San Antonio in by the 2100. Mm-hmm. So I will obviously not be around for that because I would be 131 huh. years old. But – you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to happen along the way. And that's hot. So I think I better go before it gets too hot is what I'm trying to say.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You need to go before it gets too hot. Um, and as Mark mentioned, you know, horse racing canceled, um, at Churchill Downs back in June because of, uh, excessive heat in the 105, 110 heat index range. Um, that's the first time I believe that they had canceled racing, uh, going back, Almost ten years to two thousand twelve, and before that I believe it was going back something like fifty years um since the first time they had had to cancel racing at least at Churchill downs i mean there's race courses all i mean race courses all across the country, literally starting at Del Mar, you know where their slogan is one of the best there is where the surf meets the turf that is in San Diego, and then you sweep across the country here to the east coast. Um, but this one, of the first ones, especially when you talk about the major racetracks where I remember or can remember that heat canceling racing, I mean, it just takes a lot. And sure enough, it's only happened a couple times in Churchill Downs, uh, history. So really incredible stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. And just goes to show how, um, climate has these unintended consequences, right? And, You and I, we have talked about this before. Um, I think when we were previewing this episode, we're both pretty big sports fans. And so I'm curious to see how this will impact how climate change and increasing temperatures will increase things like the Olympics, track and field events, like these things that happen outside um, or marathons or um, I guess by the time NFL is playing, it's usually cooler. But they have camps in the summer, right? And so, I don't know. I think we're going to see more and more of this type of stuff happening.
3: Yeah, they you know, a lot of um, NFL uh, team, I think maybe, I think it's in, i have to go look it up, but they're, you know, the old school two-a-days, um, sometimes three-a-days, which used to happen in football, don't anymore because of, um, you know, heat and safety, really safety issues when it comes to the heat. So, you don't see a lot of times, you don't see a lot of those two-a-days anymore um, I'm pretty sure the NFL does not do those in training camp anymore. Where they they would go like in the morning, like at eight or nine, uh, go for two hours, you know, break for lunch. Um, training camp is going on right now with all the NFL teams, and then they'd come back and go again for a second time at night. They don't really do that anymore. Um, just simply, it's it's a safety issue, um, and clearly, it doesn't matter really where you are if you're a, a West Coast, East Coast, North, South the summer's hot so you know you had a lot of heat related illness things that happen players clap it's a good thing they don't do that anymore but i mean it is a it is a safety issue and so you don't it gone are those days where you saw you know even high school teams sometimes they will i don't know how often and where it goes on i know that they probably still do two a days in places just simply cuz of kind of the the old school mentality you know, but you have to have uh, leagues that are gonna, you know, kind of outlaw that stuff. But anyway, that's an NFL example or or a football example. But yeah, horse racing. I mean, these these animals. Um, you know, you, we kind of think that they're immune, almost like robots, when they run. But you know, as Mark mentioned, you know, he, I thought it was interesting when he talked about, you know, how um, how cold a, a course can get. They can run on, when the when the track is frozen, but it's when it kind of heats up a little bit above freezing, and that's when you can have some uh, some slipping issues and. Um, Issues with the horses, you know, safety. So, um, yeah, climate change is happening across the sports spectrum. You know, you got baseball players, you'd never hear of of excessive heat warning. But I was at a game uh, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago in Atlanta, and the game came down to uh, the ninth inning, zero zero. My favorite kind of baseball game, mm. um, and it ended in a walk off, one nothing win by the Braves. But yeah, afterwards, uh, Austin Riley, who hit the game winning uh, walk off home uh, or double off the wall, he joked. He's like, "I'm glad that I'm glad I was able to get a piece of and driving that run because man, it was hot out there, and I didn't want to have to go back <laughs> out in the field." You right. know, and like, it, let me
1: just end this thing. Yeah,
3: exactly. So <laughs> it ha, it's, you know, it's, it's having an effect, um, you know, across sports and all sports, you know, at the Olympics, you see, in especially the winter Olympics, not the one that I was at, uh, in Beijing, but it happened. It's gone back several years where they have to bring in man-made snow. And some of that is on the Olympic committee, the Olympic committee, IOC picking and choosing where they're going to put, uh, some of these winter Olympics, um, You know, but they, in Sochi, Russia, where they had, I believe it was the 2012 Winter Olympics, was it 2000, I think, think no, 2014, excuse me, 2014 in Sochi, I believe it was the second week of the games. I know they had to bring in a ton of man-made snow for, you know, the the jumps and the different venues that were outside up in the mountains because it was too warm. But I remember talking to people that were there and they said um, it got up to almost 70, Degrees Fahrenheit a couple days because it's I I don't have it right in front of me, but I think it's right on the Black Sea. On the Black
1: Sea, yeah. yeah.
3: and so it's it's kind of a coastal Sochi, kind of a coastal um, destination kind of place um, in in Russia, or at least it once was. But they said it was so warm, they walked around in just uh, you know in like a t-shirt or golf shirt, you know, a couple days during the second week of the Olympics in 2014 because it was so warm. So I mean that's just crazy, and that's that's a Winter Olympics.
1: Yeah, that is
3: crazy. So anyway. Well,
1: if you are are someone you love, works on sports and sustainability, hit us up. We might want that person on our show.
3: Yeah, we'd love to uh, kind of explore some other uh, ways that climate change is intersecting with sports. I know uh, there's some teams looking to build uh, facilities that are coastal in nature. The Tampa Bay Rays coming to mind. And, you know, they've had to scrap a couple places Uh, that they had potentially looked at or sites that were talked about about building a new ballpark for the Rays – Because of sea level rise, they want to do it, you know, in a place that's close to the water, you know, economic development to build up things around it. But some of those places that they had looked at have now since been scrapped simply due to sea level rise. So there are different intersections that climate change is having with sports. And if you like you said, Chelsea, if you've got uh, any listeners got an idea, know somebody has a a topic, want to explore, hit us up, let us know. We're always happy and want to have suggestions from you, our listeners.
1: Price, who are our new members this week?
3: New members, William T. in Oregon, Joanne S. in South Carolina, Doug T. in Washington State, Marilyn B. in Utah, and then David M. on South Croy Island. I have to go and look that up and see exactly where that is, but thanks to our... New members for standing with us. That's just a, a hand, handful, of five random ones we picked. We'd love to have you stand with us at republicin.org forward slash join. It takes mere seconds. You get weekend review that Chelsea sends out every single Friday. You get a couple poll questions we do here and there. Um, we'll let you know when we're going to be in your area. But please, if you have not signed up, we would love to you for you to do so.
1: Just sign up. You know you want to do it. All the fun people are and um, then you just get to see my name in your inbox every week. And then you have my email so you know how to reach me. It's just a beautiful thing to do.
3: Also, you obviously are listening to this podcast because you're interested in climate for some reason, for many reasons, Uh, and we thank you for listening every single week or if this is your first time for listening. But if it is your first time, we hope that you will um, consider – hitting that subscribe button. Look at your phone right now. Look at your tablet. Look at your computer. Hit the subscribe button, especially if it's on uh, iTunes. Um, We would love for you to download, listen, subscribe, and have a new episode brought to you every single Tuesday to your smartphone, your device, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We get the question quite a bit, okay, I'm not an Apple user. How can I listen? Quite simply, it is very, very easy. You can go to Spotify as an app, Google Podcasts, um, you can go to our website, Republican.org forward slash podcast. Many different ways, especially if you're not an Apple user, but I know predominantly, I think 70% of our listeners are uh, Apple users and listen via Apple Podcasts. So appreciate you downloading, listening, and subscribing. We will be back to, with you next week with another episode. Chelsea, what do we have coming up?
1: Um, we have... Um Oh, shit, Price. Who do we have? Oh, sorry. Let's do that again. (laughs) Um, Who do we have next week? We have two people. So this is really um, fun for me because um, there's someone on the right and someone on the left. So Beth Malo and Bruce Morlin are both uh, members of Braver Angels, and they're on the CCL, the Citizens Climate Lobby, subgroup of Braver Angels, which is an organization that tries to facilitate and foster conversations across party lines and to really try to take some of the heat out of the partisan way that um, people talk about each other, whether it's in a private conversation or publicly. And, you know, they're doing good and important work. So we're going to talk a little bit about partisanship and how to kind of break through that tendency to just put yourself in an echo chamber and only hear from the people who are perfectly aligned with you and how to have a respectful conversation as well as um, efforts on climate change. And a little bonus, Beth is a sleep expert. So she's going to talk about the impacts of sleep, of sleep, of climate change on sleep. (laughs)
3: I cannot wait to listen to that, Chelsea, next week. Again, download, listen, subscribe. Eco right Speaks, search it, subscribe it. And we will be back with you again next week. Until then, Chelsea, we will talk to you then.
1: Talk to you then, Price.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.